0: Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Carol Woolham Roberts. And I'm her husband, Paul. And we are the creators of Grow
1: Me a Story, our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative and inch by inch, row by row. We want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives.
0: As your creativity cultivators, Paul and I brought 10 separate guests here in 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. For this final month of 2022,
1: we're bringing back to you all 10 of those guests as we review the
0: insights that they brought to each question we posed. You can look at the show notes posted below To keep track of each speaker, but we'll also reintroduce them in small groups throughout the podcast.
1: This week, we will start with Carl Rowe, Carrie Stewart-Parks, and Joni Bartell as they share who helped cultivate their creativity so that they could pass
0: the gift on to others. I know you've talked a lot about your mother. Mm-hmm. That was obviously that. Yeah. And what anyone else yeah. that w- well, was a big
2: interest? Well, yeah, influence? there's my brothers, it, it, mm-hmm. things they would do, I'd want to do and you know, help you out. And yeah, you know, all all through life, there's people that you're gonna get inspired from and mm-hmm. learn things that you hadn't known before. And yeah. you know, working at Knott's Berry Farm was amazing. So many talented people, and before I before being involved. You don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just you go see a show, show and yeah, you're yeah, entertained. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And and doing say the same show with different actors on different days, and it, it's so different. Everybody has their own style, mm-hmm. and uh, you learn a lot. Well, say I learned about acting from watching all these actors, mm-hmm. and uh, but I don't think of myself as an actor, but mm-hmm. but things rub off yeah right. Mm-hmm. right yeah and then there's that real good person that's how it's done yeah <laughs> that's right
0: they know what they're doing yeah. uh, um, yeah.
2: so um yeah i i i can't think of any particular person that did it all for mm-hmm. me but mm-hmm. everyone yeah helps yeah uh, and for me to be the cultivator and somebody else uh I I did a lot of private teaching. Hmm. Even while I was a piano tuner, people would ask me if I taught. Hmm. Well, sure. (laughs) Do it. uh, Some kids last a couple months. You know, some might go a year or two. Mm -hmm. But everybody's not going to be a professional musician. Right. Right. Uh, But somehow... hopefully it changes mm-hmm. their life.
1: Yeah. So Joy Pursune did, uh, still does some piano teaching. And huh. I asked her, did, did you just make that up as you went along? And, and she kind of said, yeah, I just did whatever. <laughs> to, you were teaching mm-hmm. piano. Did yeah. You, did, were you just making that up?
2: Well, the, there's the books that you use and that kind of helps you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what they're trying to get across to the kids and, and I can think about how how I learned it and struggles I had and, mm-hmm. and try to, you see what their trouble is and you, you have to be creative with their, each student mm-hmm. <laughs> to get the point across. Uh, and when I was younger, I did some trumpet teaching. Mm-hmm. And-
3: Creativity is a knowledge-based activity. Let me start with that. Mm-hmm. It's a knowledge-based activity. If you know it's, Otherwise, it's an accident. Mm-hmm. So creativity is if you know how it should go and you say, I wonder what will happen if. Mm-hmm. So it's that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. If you show them, okay, here's how this goes. Here's how this goes. Now, see this? See this? this, And then you let people loose on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and especially when they don't have to worry about, ooh, how much does the paper cost? How much yeah. does the paint cost? And that sort of thing. In writing, it's not so much teaching them a creative part because people tend to be creative in their story, mm-hmm. but teaching them the craft of getting it down. Mm-hmm. Or in in writing, the other thing is think about something differently. When the first thing I wrote, my first novel, uh, Frank read the first couple chapters. I mean, we read mm-hmm. it together mm-hmm. and he said, OK, that's it's coming along, but you've, you've got to put the body in the first chapter. Was, of course, a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do that. And he said, no, you got to move the body to the first chapter. And it's I like thought, moving
0: number six well, to number
4: one. Yeah, number six to
3: number one, exactly. And I thought, there's no way. So I worked and worked and worked. I mean, I spent like weeks moving the body, and I got it to the second chapter. And I said, I have moved the body to the second chapter. And he goes, no, I want it, in the, I want it on the first page. And I was like. No, it's number eight. You're making me do first. And teaching your mind to think of possibilities Mm -hmm. is a big part of that. Think of it, open it up to different possibilities. And so, yes, I do uh, critiquing of other people's writings Mm -hmm. and so on. And I'm always looking for a teachable mind. And so that's a big part of it. Yeah. You can work with anybody, but if their mind is not teachable, if they don't, if they're not open to possibilities, mm-hmm. um, then you can't. And and going through a brainstorming session with some of my fellow writers, with like Colleen Koval, Lynette Eason, these are mm-hmm. best-selling yeah. authors. And all of our stories start off with, I'll give you one with Colleen. She said, okay, my story opens with a fisherman that pulls up a refrigerator and there's a body inside. And we went, oh, okay, that's good, that's good, all right. She goes, that's it, that's all yep, I got. that's all I got. <laughs> and we go, what if, what if the body is a guy wearing a wedding dress? And she goes, oh, now that's interesting, you know. And what if, and, and we just throw yeah. these what ifs. And you throw what ifs like crazy at mm-hmm. it. As soon as you come up with a what if. And the writer will be listening to that. And one of those what ifs will trigger something. They'll go, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Yes. Okay. And they'll go, oh yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh Now we've shifted a little bit. And then the rest of it goes, so what if? (laughs) And then we go off on a whole new what if series until we come across something that the writer thinks, yes, I love that. Uh And we go, okay, now we got a new direction. What if now? And they are so fun oh, because yeah. that mind is open to mm-hmm. the what-if possibilities. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, well, yes, there have been many people in my life. I mean, whether personally, which, you know, would be like my mom or, you know, what I've been around, but the lady that auditioned me, the 80-year-old they mm-hmm. talked about, it was really I mean, she, I, I want to say, oh, she's just the most lovely, wonderful person. But I can tell you, sometimes you'd want to strangle her. Right. <laughs> but I am so grateful right. for everything, yeah. everything. You know, She they just retired. Um, and so she's not finally going to be, you know, actually teaching anymore. Of course, I'm not sure she's going to be in so many other things going on, you know, mm-hmm. that she uh, will be involved in. But, there's just so many things about her and about being in that high pressure. It was a pressure cooker mm-hmm. place to be going mm-hmm. to school. It mm-hmm. was, there was so much pressure on you from all different angles. And, um, but just that the things that she did and taught and, you know, and she also made it very clear her line of from who she took from how that would go through us mm. to our students she studied in russia and the people she studied and she would make us go over that and have that in our minds wow. and realize how all of that knowledge had come through her into mm-hmm. us and like i told her now it's like this pebble she's dropped because now all of us over all those years right. How, it's just like going out further and further from her and then from me mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. all these other mm-hmm. people and kids you can't stop it no, yeah. you. I mean you would never want to but it's something that you can't see but you know is going out yeah. so I can only hope that I've done that for others mm-hmm. yeah. right.
1: next up Joy Persoon, Kelton Enich and Ken Bartle talking about the creativity cultivators that influenced their lives
4: my mom Hi, Mommy. I was encouraged because I went with her whatever she did at church or whatever, I was always there. And I watched her and my sister who painted big, 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 you know, I went to a big Nazarene church, and they'd put on a Christmas show, and they'd have to put these big, huge walls that looked like Bethlehem, and it took a months and mm-hmm. things like that. I taught Sunday school. Well, Mom taught Sunday school. I guess I'm supposed to teach Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're raised that way, and She was my encourager. I had a lot of people who I thought were good leaders of mine that let me down. Mm -hmm. And that's my own. And I can't, I'm not saying that they ruined my life. I just put too much faith in what they did. Mm -hmm. And then they, at the end, it wasn't what I wanted. So my encouragers are my people in my life Mm -hmm. at whatever time it is at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was that way back then. And it was encouraging. My dad was an encourager. Get in that truck, Joy. Start it up. Mm-hmm. You can do this. He encouraged me to think I could change the oil in a truck. He mm-hmm. never. I never second guessed it. Mm-hmm. So yes, I guess. But it was mostly family because that mm-hmm. was mostly my life. Mm-hmm. My brothers and my sisters. But other than that, it was. I knew I had a job to get done. You got four years. Get that college degree. I thought that's the way everybody was.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: You know, but I was shocked to find people don't need to think their kids had to go to college. And now I don't think kids have to go to college, but get it done, Joy, get it Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I still don't want to, don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I just wish I, I love life. I wish I had thousands of years left. Mm -hmm. But my mom said, you know what, Joy, you'll know what it, you'll know. And you'll know the Lord will prepare you for the end of your life. Doesn't mean your interests change. He just prepares you in the gentlest way and lets you know when things like that happen. Mm-hmm. You'll always be creative. My mom painted right up to the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Went to until she couldn't, but then she painted home. I mean, I think that kind of us stays. Mm-hmm. I want it to stay. Yeah. I want you to want to write a book the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. No, I want you to do stuff like this, Mm -hmm. and I want to be part of a community that does that. Mm -hmm. And I hope there aren't people out there that we've dismissed or forgotten in any way, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're waiting for someone to say you're still important. Mm -hmm. And I think about that often. Who in our lives Mm -hmm. are in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think sometimes we need to think more about it.
1: Yeah. Did yeah. I answer that question, you did. You did, very, <laughs> you did very well. I'm giving you an A on that one. Oh, uh, writing it down in my grade book. Oh my uh,
6: goodness. Yes. Good. Good.
7: Good. My parents, um, for sure, have just giving me a life that was so full of rich experiences and exposure. And honestly, I I have done a lot of traveling because of my parents. Uh, Overseas travel, mm-hmm. um, I feel really, really lucky that I was able to do that, and I think that that was huge mm-hmm. in my my outlook on life. And, yeah. and you know, yeah. I have had a couple of really, really influential teachers in my life. My first one that really was the reason that I became an English teacher and then a creative writing teacher. Mm-hmm. Her name was Laura Lee Evans Lynn uh, at Vicksburg High School. She was. Part time, or she, she was basically the same thing I am. She was mm-hmm. partially an English teacher and then a creative writing teacher. And she was so amazing. Like what I said, she came and found me. She found a big group of my friends and brought us all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a really amazing program where she'd have like a beginner creative writing class, but then she had these two separate creative writing classes. One was called Airy Big Sky, that was a school I went to, Big Sky, and then one was called Airy International. Um, and I eventually became part of all of these classes. But basically at the end of each of the years, we would produce a literary arts magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, the Area Big Sky one was just of art and writing of the students at our school. And then the Area International one, which was just getting started when I be when I was a sophomore, mm-hmm. was we had a panel that would get submissions from all over the world, from oh, high school wow. students from all over wow. the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing experience because that like really tied in my background of yeah. traveling and writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to like do a lot of interviews and organizing, and organizing. And yes, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. and publishing and proofreading and yeah. copy editing and um, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So that was amazing. Lee was the most influential person. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna cry. She passed away, like, the year I moved here. She mm. got, she was diagnosed with cancer and um, mm. passed away very suddenly. Mm. Um, and I think about that a lot. It was, yeah. like, the year that I became a teacher. And I oh. would love so much to go back and yeah, talk to I her about her. that and, mm-hmm. like, show, like, my very first poetry reading, yeah. like, all I could think about was was Loralee. So oh, she was so sweet. influential. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Other people. Some of my colleagues at at the high school, Rachel Cruzmark, mm-hmm. and I know that you guys have interviewed her before, mm-hmm. but she was on my hiring committee. I ended up also replacing her as the junior English teacher mm-hmm. on the well, There were some years in between, but any time that I needed help, well, actually this goes back into one of my creative outlets. I think curriculum planning and mm-hmm. designing, mm-hmm. designing units and designing lessons. I would say it's a strength of mine, especially like sort of thinking outside the box yeah. and mm-hmm. really pushing my kids to be critical thinkers mm-hmm. um, in creative ways. So anyway, anytime I would ha- I would have a question, or anytime now I have a question, she's my go to person. Mm-hmm. She's amazing and is so good at looking through my stuff and asking me to push them even harder. Or you know, those are those are some big people. And honestly, my partner Scott. Is mm-hmm. super creative in different ways than I am, like mm-hmm. musically, incredibly creative, um, talking about music yeah. um, and cooking creatively, creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very uh, inspired by him and he's really good about bringing creativity into like day to day sort of aspects and keeping things very light, and which helps me a yeah. lot.
8: I guess early on I would have to say my mom was my huge encourager and, and rallying person because she always encouraged whatever I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that great? And I look back and go, Oh, <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't so great, but it, you know, it, it was encouraged all, along the way and, um, and maybe sister Ann Allen at, Providence University. Mm-hmm. She was one of the biggest encouragers mm-hmm. for me to flip my major into art and mm-hmm. um because she just kind of had that kind of personality mm-hmm. and, and cultivated that along the way. Yeah. My aunt. My aunt was another one who mm-hmm. just always, Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's such, such a good thing. <laughs> you know. Um and then Again, my cousins, my two cousins, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's kind of fun to see their creativity over the years my uh one cousin is eighty five and and he's still creating oh. and so that that to me is exciting yes, to see uh, yes. so along the way it's mm-hmm. uh, there's been people mm-hmm. just yeah. that touch your life mm-hmm. in and out
1: right and who who have you helped uh, turn into a creative Uh, you know
8: what I just had an email from uh, a good friend Um, when we were just before we went to seminary we took care of a family of four with our and our two while their mother went and finished her graduate Mm
2: -hmm.
8: so we we were spending a lot of time at their house and um for her birthday, I made a, a Raggedy Ann cake. Oh, yeah. It's funny because now you ought to see the cake she makes.
0: Oh. It,
8: it, I don't know if you've ever seen that cake show, where is is it real? Mm. Is it a shoe or is it a piece of cake? Oh. She has done that, and wow. she said well, you started it, Ken. Huh, you made right, me that yes. cake and yeah. and not knowing that I touched that no. creative aspect in no. her life, but so and i 'll show you some pictures when we 're done, but it's it just oh, uh, so you don't realize what yeah. lives you touch right possibly along the mm-hmm. way until that happens yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Oh.
8: so i 'd like to think that I touched a few more yeah. <laughs> in my <Yeah>. seventy three years. <laughs> that's but, <right>. that's <laughs> but,
1: right. We finish episode four with Lori Roberts, Nancy Hanks, Simon Miller, and Rachel Cruzmark on your Dreams and Bones podcast.
9: I mentioned Bruce Ballinger. Bruce was one short class, one a single week class, and Bruce and I are friends on on Facebook. I tend to run in him, run into Bruce at Idaho Shakespeare. He has retired from Boise State and. Um, Bruce is one of the most integral people in my life, and making me feel like my writing was worth listening to, and my stories were worth telling. I certainly have other people. I feel like my mom is my, the first person who was the, she was the the person who said you can sing this with me and you mm-hmm. can do this with me. I also tell my students that one of the reasons I have them do a TED talk at the end of the year mm-hmm. is because it's your chance to have your say. And I I tell them that I discover every year those outgoing introverts in my class who I've hardly heard speak above a whisper. And then you put them on stage, even if the stage is the front of my classroom and they own the room. Mm-hmm. And so I think about people, key moments. A professor in 1995 who said to me, you gave the best presentation in this graduate class. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. These were just a series of really pretty pedestrian, boring presentations that I didn't think much of. And she said, oh, no, you were head and shoulders. And I was just confused because I didn't know that I had done well. Mm. So when the occasional person reaches out and says, you did that well, and you didn't even know you did it well, that got me thinking that I could speak in public. That mm. got me thinking thinking that I could express things in a way that and it's it's see this is so hard because I don't want to sound vain but you start to realize that not everybody wants to speak in public mm-hmm. and not everybody seems to have the rhythm of it mm-hmm. I'm convinced that growing up in church and hearing people speak in public every week
4: right.
9: prepared my brain to be someone who has a rudimentary ability to speak in public before I even really tried to. Right. Yeah. Really grandfather, Everett Roberts, grandmother, Nadine Taylor, Mm. and my dad, Burt Roberts, all have a little bit more of an old school preacher in them Mm. than you would hear at most churches today. And I hear that emotion and that rhythm show up in my voice more as a storyteller yeah. and a public speaker than I do in my everyday life yeah. mm-hmm. and I like that callback mm-hmm.
10: yeah i think it was in 8th grade i i did my first creative writing thing i just read a book called the moon spinners which was uh, just came out and it was a big deal and i was very inspired by the moon spinners and so I started writing this story about um, Crete and uh, different people, and, and uh, it's called The Adventure at Brigmore Bay. Mm. And uh, my teacher, Ms. Seidenberg, just loved that. She immediately called my mother after she read it, because she said, did she really write this? <laughs> and I said, yeah. She said, I just typed it. You know, she wrote it all out. I typed it, but she she wrote it. Because they couldn't believe it, and I don't know where that came from, mm-hmm. but that that really um, that really helped me, mm-hmm. uh, inspired me to write or mm-hmm. to tell a story. I'm still, you know, I still struggle with it, and I, I, st- my goal right now is to learn how to tell a good story because mm-hmm. I don't think I do that very well, and I'm working at it, mm-hmm. uh, and I probably always will, but mm-hmm. I think it's, I think that's the most important thing of every everything we do mm-hmm. we tell each other stories that's yeah. how we learn and that's how we grow we tell stories so the next generation can learn something and grow from that and mm-hmm. then they tell the next generation yeah and and so yeah um just learning to tell a good story, uh, that one teacher really inspired mm-hmm. me, and um, and other people just you know when I've when I've told stories and they said I really enjoyed that or I thought that was really good. I had to I had to teach defensive driving for a while when I was a bus driver, and um, there were court referrals, and so you went into you know a bunch of people that have done an oopsie and they needed mm-hmm. to take defensive driving, and I had a lot of people come out and say that I really enjoyed enjoyed your speech i enjoyed your talk and how how you did that and i feel like i copied a lot of it from one of my um one, one of the teachers at uh, edmonds community college that i took a course from who was an incredible, his name was Denny Strimple, I'll never forget him, Hmm. and uh, I mean, he would just do anything to get your attention, to hold hold you, he'd be jumping up on chairs and doing this, and (laughs) I mean, he was just really animated, and I, now that's, that's a cool teacher, he just really enjoyed, enjoyed Denny, and so I, I tried to fashion my teaching after how he did that, Mm -hmm. and so he, he was uh, really instrumental in how I, how I did things, I think, you know, more than anything it's just being involved in what you're doing Mm -hmm. and um and and giving it to people that way right not being blasé about it or 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 um keeping it you know under wraps because you don't want people to think you're too emotional or anything but just letting it out and letting letting them understand that this means something that's important Mm -hmm. and
6: This goes kind of back to the creativity question and are people creative? And I think there's a hesitation for some people to be creative because they think other people have done podcasts. Why would I do one? Now I- I'm just going to be jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And and that sort of mindset thwarts your ability to put something out there. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe it doesn't go viral. Maybe you don't get 50 people to come watch you read a poem. Mm-hmm. But But just just getting over that perception and sharing and you'll get three people that went one, I didn't know that about you mm-hmm. or two, that's incredible. And that story really touched me or that song really was amazing. Th- that goes back to, I-, I don't know if I'm, I never think about if I'm encouraging or mm-hmm. motive or inspiring or motivating someone else to be creative. Maybe I guess I would go just to my immediate family Gracie's in uh, plays an instrument. Gemma has tried an instrument, and Amy and I have had this discussion. Like, okay, well, the flute wasn't her instrument. So the other day we were on our way to school, and she says, "I think I want to play the bass." Mm. And my first reaction was, "Okay, Gemma, you couldn't play the flute, so <laughs> I don't know if the bass is going to be any different." That's the analytical side of me. And then I said to Amy, "Why not mm-hmm. get her a bass and get her some headphones?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> plug her into some things where she can experiment on her own because Gemma's that type of learner and, uh, you know, Gladys trumpet is coming along and Gia, when Gia first started playing the clarinet, we thought, you know, you might just have to airband it, you know, cause she just wasn't getting it. Now she's in playing in the jazz band. And mm-hmm. so I think that we do it with a, a lot of time. If we're really into what we're doing because we're not doing it to, ins- so to say, inspire somebody to do it. I think that we're encouraging people a lot more than we're aware. Yeah. For me, of course, I talked about Mr. Dickinson, uh, Rick Dickinson, a.k.a. Mr. D, was huge for me just because he was a trumpet player too. So, yeah. you know, yeah. like that, it was kind of, he was a role model to me. Your sister-in-law, your sister, Lori, mm. seeing Lori take the risk of yeah. going through all of the processes and financial decisions and and letting that creative venue for her or Avenue go out and actually go produce music was very inspiring. Still one of my favorite people to play the drums with, Mm -hmm. uh, just because it just, it's easy to to play along with her because I just love how her music flows. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I did want to, you know, my wife, she always, you know, she kind of echoes my mom. She's always like, how do you know how to do that with like an instrument or do whatever? And that's, that helps me because I'm like, well, I know you're my wife and you have to say, you know, you don't have to say that, but she will say once in a while, like, no, you, you should do this. You know, you're, you're, you're good at it or you're helping somebody else. So my wife really has been in- inspirational to me. And
11: The ceramics, it's so funny that I've come back to that and really that's been my longest, most like steady one. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing that when I was about in second grade. Wow my neighbor was a potter mm, and mm. she had moved it moved from uh dubois idaho and um she worked for the forest service i think but she was um they were like super like granola mm-hmm. kind of heavy granola people and um they she made she did pottery she had a kiln and i would go over there my brother started he was like a little more outward because you know he heard he saw the um the guy over there doc was his name like hammering with his hammer and my brother, he, you know, was a worker. So he was like, What are you doing? You need help? And so he befriended them first. And which is so funny because he is exactly the opposite of like a granola hippie. He's like a cowboy <laughs> guy now, which is hilarious. But um but anyway, he would go over and he would talk about he was doing pottery and I'm like, well what's that? And then he told me, well then I kind of just like pushed him out and, and I got into working with Janet. Doclin was her name and and uh she, she just taught me all kinds of stuff i would watch her just throw on the wheel i would spend mm. all my days saturday and sundays over at her house oh, and wow. just make she would let me play with play and make things she would show me sometimes but now i know now, now as a as a like working in ceramics i'm like okay you can come and work in my studio i don't have time for you because i'm busy you know mm-hmm. so it wasn't mm-hmm. i understand right. that you have to have a different kind of realm but she did teach me how to throw and I made these little miniature Barbie dishes. Oh. I don't have them. I don't I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, But eventually I turned them like when I got older, seventh grade, they were like little white bowls. I was so mad because she glazed them. She goes, I'll fire them and then you can glaze them. Well, then I got busy or didn't get back. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, I went ahead and glazed them for you because I had to fire. Yeah. And I didn't understand, you know, you have to load the kiln and stuff. And I was like, dang it, I wanted to glaze them. But anyway, they're these little miniature white bowls. Later on, I made creativity i wasn't allowed to have makeup um and you know like sixth grade or something like that mm-hmm. And my mom let me wear a mascara in seventh grade but my aunt was a model and so she had like all this baskets of makeup and i would go to her house and she would put me put me in makeup and <laughs> anyway so i decided i was going to make my own makeup and i was going to use these little bowls so i got baby powder because i was gonna make eyeshadow Uh i got baby powder and i mixed it with food coloring and then i compacted it in and it kind of worked not so anyway they were my little makeup containers (laughs) that i made so yeah yeah um deprivation Mm -hmm. Uh, deprivation because you have to you have to like go and create things Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. so i would say janet for Mm -hmm. sure um but at the same time i i don't there's been like some writing writing people. I had a professor, uh, Margaret Sreby in um, college. She was kind of probably the one that transformed me and like turned turned me from art to English because mm-hmm. I just really she just gave me permission to write whatever, mm-hmm. whatever I wanted mm-hmm. to. She showed me the book, Natalie Goldberg's Writing mm-hmm. Down the Bones mm-hmm. changed my life. Mm-hmm. And then I have my dear, dear friend, uh, Dr. Gary Lundy. He definitely definitely fed my creative spirit creative writing um mostly and even visual art he he was he it was interesting to see him he started painting um and he wasn't like trained painter or anything um but he started painting and I was like look at you you're you know you're like this you PhD yeah. creative writing and and you're painting and you don't know what you're doing but look at you doing that right, you know and right. so it kind of showed me that you don't have to just like be in one place you mm-hmm. don't have to just like yeah. prescribe to whatever you have credentials to do or experience mm-hmm. to do you're just always going out there and exploring more mm-hmm. so I think those would be my my people mm-hmm. that I fed my fed mm-hmm. my creativity
1: it is, part four of our five-part review of 2022. Carol, what question do we have
0: for next week to help us bring in the new year? Well, Paul, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing once again how each of our guests overcome the roadblocks and resistance that can stand in the way of so many of our creative endeavors.
1: As we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members for their support, And let you know, if you have found us and you're not a member, but you want to know more about Dreams and Bones, go to www.growmeastory.com, where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Woolen-Roberts.
0: Join us next Friday for the final episode of 2022 of your Dreams and Bones podcast.